Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Uh, It's good to see you this morning. I'm so thankful for our team that leads us in worship each week. Uh, They play a a crucial part of setting atmosphere for us. I think that's important for us because, as many of you know that have been with us over the last uh, few months, uh, we've been in this progression of challenging and trying to unseat principalities in our life and in the corporate body here. We started with isolation combated that. We dealt with hopelessness, combated that, dealt with poverty, uh, tried to combat that, and we're seeing some breakthroughs. If you haven't listened to my podcast uh, that was put on our uh, uh, denominational website, uh, I encourage you to do so. It's a testimony of what God has done in our midst as we've begun to obey the Lord in giving. Uh, And if you haven't, I'll just give you a highlight. In the uh, January, February, and March of this year, compared to January, February, and March of last year, we saw a 115% increase in your giving as we obey what the Holy Spirit says to do. And we're seeing results from that. And you will continue to see results from that as you continue to be obedient. And so then we moved out of that and we've begun to confront apathy. I told you in the beginning it would be the most uncomfortable uh, of these principalities. It would be the most uh, brutal. And I believe that that has proven to be true. We have been attempting to break apathy towards others. We're continuing to be uh, engaged in our community to make that happen. We want people to know by our love for them that we love God. And so we continue to do that. But last week we began to confront our apathy towards God. And so I began to talk to you about the fact that uh, we seem to be sick with uh, this this sickness of apathy towards what is holy and what is set apart we have come to this place uh the 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 um colloquialism that i use to kind of talk about where we are is that we come to this place where we treat the almighty as if he's a dime a dozen that he's regular that he's common that he's ordinary that he's optional that he's routine and so that dictates to us how we approach him and i said to you last week that our revelation of who god is determines our reverence for god you will never reverence god appropriately if you don't have a revelation of who god is you got to know who he is we're not just we're not just worshiping some idol somewhere that's no, that has no life we're not just worshiping some entity somewhere that has no concern for us We are worshiping the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the first, the last, the the highest, the foremost. We are worshiping Him. And so we cannot be apathetic to Him. If If our reverence level increases, then our approach to God must change. If we have a revelation of who God is, which will increase our reverence for Him, then that will dictate that we also approach Him differently. And so this, there's this uh, idea of approaching God that I want to talk to you about this morning. And I am going to operate backwards. I'm not going to read a text until way late in this message. So all the righteous spirits will rise up and come against me. But, but, we're, but you'll understand why I'm doing it here in a moment. But... 
I want to deal with this idea of approaching God, and I want to concentrate our efforts on this, on an idea of preparing or making preparation for God. See, I I have learned, I'm going to teach you some lessons that I've learned about preparation. I have learned that we prepare for what we value and we prepare for what we anticipate. Uh, How many of us spend more time preparing for the vacation because of anticipating the vacation than the time we actually enjoy the time on the vacation? Some of y'all sit around and make plans for months uh, for vacation, and then when you get to vacation, you can't even enjoy it because all the anticipation's already been used up on the preparation for the vacation, right? Uh, that, that's, that's our tendency. We prepare for weddings, but we spend no time preparing for marriage. Uh, okay, okay. We prepare for what we think is important. And what we anticipate, my, my concern is, is this, and I'm, I told you that these, these were going to, I told you I was going to do my best at some point during these two series to offend you. I'm probably going to make the offensive remark to you right now because if I can offend you, maybe it'll change how you approach God. I am concerned that we spend more time preparing for vacations and events and reunions and parties and movies than we spend in preparation for our approach to God. All right, so I want to uh, submit to you that we underestimate the importance of making preparation to approach God. Uh, our apathy towards God has caused us to approach with no anticipation because we don't prepare. So this dime a dozen mentality dictates that we roll in here with no forethought or without taking any steps to prepare for who we are about to encounter. And so uh, I've learned some things. So I'm just going to teach you some lessons and see if I can back them up from our scripture reading this morning. The first thing that I want to teach you, and I think you probably know this, but we tend to overlook this, is this. God only inhabits prepared places. God only inhabits prepared places. The key word there is inhabit. I am thankful that God shows up unexpectedly in moments. I'm thankful that there are sudden moments that we really didn't prepare for. We didn't really uh, expect anything. We're just kind of going through the motions. We're marking time. And out of nowhere, God's presence fills the place and we encounter Him. I am thankful. Don't get me wrong. I am thankful for the suddenly moments and suddenly moves of the, the Holy Spirit, aren't you? But may I submit to you that those are not habitations. Those are visitations. And although I enjoy visitations, I am much more uh, desiring habitations where we can count on it, where it's consistent, where we know God is going to consistently show up. Um, Habitation is predicated upon preparation. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, please clue into that remark right there. Habitation is predicated upon preparation. Um, I'm going to read an Old Testament account here in just a few minutes that I believe shows you that. But before I get to that, what I want to mention to you is just an example of this. In the New Testament, you will remember that that the disciples understood the difference between a visitation and a habitation and, and what it took to create that because when the disciples were on the Mount of Transfiguration, they have a visitation 
from God. And so they want to take steps to turn it into what? A habitation. They understood that this was a suddenly moment that we didn't prepare for. We didn't know this was going to happen. But now that it's happened, what we want to do is we want to take some steps so that it can become a habitation so that we can count on the presence of God here. And Jesus wouldn't let them do that on that particular occasion, right? That's the difference. It's preparation. Um, In our lives, in your individual life, and in our experience when we come together, because I hope that what you're doing is that you're coming together like this on Sundays uh, for one purpose. It's part of our mission, to encounter God, right? So in our life and in our corporate experience, I want to say to you that our approach and our conduct and our attitude can mean, if we're not careful, that at the very best, all we can hope for are occasional visitations of His presence, if we're not careful. But I am challenging you to shake off apathy and let's individually and corporately make preparation so that we turn our lives and we turn this place. And I'm not talking about a church building. I'm talking about this place of, uh, of communion that we have established together on a weekly basis. I'm challenging you to shake off apathy so that we turn this place into an inhabited place of God's presence. How many times have we been guilty of gathering under the banner of pursuing Him, but at the same time, we can honestly say that we've done nothing to prepare for His presence. How many times? We get up late. Uh, we, we roll out of bed. We throw something on. There's no worship before we get here to prepare our hearts for worship. I knew it was going to get quiet. There's no anticipation. There's no meditation on Him. And because of that, the fact that He only inhabits prepared places, we miss Him. Do you know in the New Testament there's an account where the Bible says about Jesus and about His hometown that his, he, he came to His own and His own received Him not. And I've always thought about the fact that that deals, it's an indictment about the revelation about who Jesus was. They didn't understand who he was. But I wonder if it not it also perhaps an indictment against their level of preparation. Because they weren't prepared to receive him like he showed up. How many times do we come together and we miss him because we've made no preparation for him? You know, it also says that in his... That, that there were certain towns and cities that he went to that he couldn't even perform miracles? Why? We, we want to attribute it to their faith level. They just didn't have enough faith. I want to say it could be maybe they weren't prepared to receive. And I just wonder how many times we've spent more time preparing for what we will do after the last amen of our encounters than we have spent in preparation for our time together. I, ooh, I did, okay, Pres- preparation speaks to anticipation and desire. Let me, let me help you this morning. Visitations are predicated on being in the right place at the right time. That's the account in the New Testament of the man that was laying at the porches of Bethesda who needed to be healed. But he said, every time the waters are troubled, somebody gets in before me. That's a visitation. I got to be in the right place at the right time. But habitations are predicated upon preparation. We get our heart and our mind and our spirit ready. 
Although I certainly enjoy and I have experienced suddenly movements of the Holy Spirit, I prefer habitations. Did you know that in the entire canopy of Scripture from Old Testament to New Testament, that through all of that, there are only 168 kairos moments, chirotic moments, which means a divine appointment with God in, a, in all the thousands of years, that canopy from Old Testament, New Testament, 168 times, that, it was, that there's this divine appointment suddenly moment where God was here and I didn't know it. All the rest of it are those moments that they prepared, even the upper room that we claim so Pentecostally. That's not even a word. That, that's our hallmark. And we claim that room. Do you understand they made preparations? They didn't even know what they were preparing for, but they were prepared. Okay, okay. I'm going to move on because some of y'all are uncomfortable. Don't, don't want to talk about prep. Okay, then you're not going to like this one either. You cannot delegate preparation. You cannot do it. In the Old Testament, the priests were responsible for preparing for God's presence, right? They had to do certain things to get ready. We'll talk about some of that in a minute. They had to do certain things to get ready. And now we live in, the, in an age of grace, right? New Testament. We don't like the Old Testament. But as much as we don't like the Old Testament and the system that was in place for, for that, it seems to me that we have a tendency to want to revert back to the Old Testament. Because in the New Testament, we're all responsible for our own preparation. Because you now have the right to boldly approach the throne of grace. You don't have to wait on anybody. But what we want to do is we want to we operate and do like this. this is, I know, I know y'all ain't going to fess up to this. Nobody will amen me right now. Nobody will raise their hand and say, this is how I pray every week. All right, Because this is what we do now. What we do now is we pray like this. Man, I hope the pastor got in his study, and really heard from God this week so we can have an encounter. Or, man, I hope the worship team is on it today. I hope they've been fasting and praying so that when they open their mouth and the band is tight, and in that moment, man, I hope they prepared. And here's the truth. I have a responsibility to prepare every week. I do. The worship team has a responsibility to prepare every week. The sound, the lights, the ushers, the children's workers, they all have a responsibility to prepare every week. However, you cannot delegate your responsibility of preparation to me. And you cannot delegate your level of, re of preparation you cannot delegate that to the worship team. Here's the truth this morning. I cannot prepare for you. I cannot prepare your heart. The worship team cannot prepare your spirit. Our preparation, my preparation, will not make up for your lack of preparation. The worship team's preparation will not make up for the lack of preparation that you make for worship. It, can't, it will never override your level of preparation. You cannot delegate it. We must each personally 
prepare. I am asking you to shake off apathy and I'm asking you to change attitude that this is normal, that this is regular, that this is routine, that this is the way it always is and I don't even have to recognize it. I'm asking you to understand that you have a responsibility week in and week out to come into this place prepared. Why? Our goal is this. This is the goal. I'm going to tell you the goal right now. Our goal is that we would have a prepared place for prepared people. That's the goal. If we have a prepared place, if, if the pastor studies like he's supposed to, if the worship team practices like they're supposed to, if the ushers ush like they're supposed to, and the children's workers' children work like they're supposed to, and the greeters greet like they're supposed to, and it's all prepared, and the place is prepared, but the people aren't prepared, then what we have in a very literal sense, although not architecturally true, but in a very literal sense, what we have is the cathedrals that dot our globe that are beautiful and maintained and ordered, but empty. They're prepared, but there's no power. They're, 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 they're pristine, but there's no presence. They're spotless, but they're also spiritless. That's what happens when you have a prepared place with no prepared people. The, 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 the chairs will be in line. The Kleenex boxes will be in their pos- appropriate positions. There won't be any bulletins from last week lost up under the chair in front of you. It'll be the right temperature. But if you're not prepared, then it's empty. Well, you say, well, well, Steve, then shouldn't shouldn't we forget about the prepared place and just deal with prepared people? You've got to remember, God inhabits prepared places. So, So then the opposite is this. If we have prepared people, but we don't have a prepared place, can I tell you what happens? What happens is this. Chaos. I almost am tempted to show you what it would look like to come in here and not have a prepared place. Like, I I really want to give all the ushers one Sunday off, and I just want to tell the worship team, don't practice at all. Just show up and we'll wing it. Some of y'all been in some of those services. I want to tell, I just, I just really want to, like, I I just want to go back and just tell the the, the sound man, just roll in here after we start. Nobody turn the air on early. Children's workers don't even show up. Can I tell you, if you have prepared people, but you don't have a prepared place, it's chaos and there's confusion. There's some other things that happen. There's lack of impact. Because if there's no children's workers, could you really worship? If your little rug rat was like holding on to your ankles right now, going, feed me, feed me. What's this? What's that? Could you really? Could you really worship if like all the chairs were loose and out of order and you can't even get down the rope? It's harder, isn't it? Okay. All right. If you have a prepared people and don't have a prepared place, what typically takes place is this. You have unsustainable moves of God. Because there are obstacles in our way that keep us from sustaining what God has done. I'm preaching better than y'all responding, right? Uh, uh, So if we can ever marry the prepared place 
and get a a group of people that will prepare and show up anticipating God to move, can I tell you what will happen? We will see a move of God and an outpouring of his presence that is totally unencumbered by distraction. That's what would happen. All right, let me, let me deal with the, the, um, the, uh, the folks that are freaking out because I hadn't read any scripture. All right, here we go. I'm going to show you because I'm going to show you an account of this in, in action. I'm going to read backwards, not literally backwards, just out of order. All right, I'm not that gifted. All right, All right. Uh, so I'm going to start in chapter 9 of Leviticus, and then I'm going to back up to chapter 8, all right? So here it is. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. I want you to notice what happens. Leviticus chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Listen to this. Moses and Aaron entered the tent of meeting, and when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of God appeared to all the people. Fire blazed out from God and consumed the whole burnt offering and the fat pieces on the altar. And when all the people saw it happen, they cheered loudly and then fell down, bowing in reverence. That is the goal. I just read to you the type of services and gatherings and encounters we want to have. Can I, can I just break it down just for a second? We want to have the kind of encounters that when we are together worshiping God, that His glory falls on everybody. That there is fire that proceeds out of Him and burns off all the junk of our life. We want people to be blessed. That is the end game. That's why we gather together. That's why we take time out of our schedules. That's why we gather like this is we want to see a move of God like that where nobody escapes his presence. Okay. But that's not how it started. That's not, that's not what caused it to happen. It didn't just happen accidentally. We got to go backwards because in Leviticus chapter 8 and then all the way through chapter 9 until verse 23 and 24, what you read about is a list, a long list of preparations that were made to get to verse 23 and 24. Okay. There is a phrase that continues to appear throughout the chapter of chapter 8 that I, and I don't, I started, I almost, you don't even know how close I came to reading the entire chapter 8 to you. Um, But some of y'all are sleepy, so I didn't decide, decide not to do that. But I just want to show you that over and over and over again. This one phrase, I'm, I'm just going to tell you what's going on, and then the, and you can go look it up for yourself. In, in Leviticus chapter 8, verse 4 is the first time you will see this phrase. Then it is repeated numerous times. It is this, and Moses did just as the Lord had commanded him. He did just as the Lord commanded. Well, what, the, what does that mean? Okay, here, here's some of the things. That statement is repeated ten times. Ten. Ten times in, the chapter, in chapter 8. It is repeated ten times. And it comes after statements like this. And Moses made an offering. And he did just as the Lord commanded. Then another time. It says they made sacrifices. And he did just as the Lord commanded. They washed. And he did just as the Lord commanded. They anointed the priests with oil. And they did just as the Lord had commanded. They changed their clothes. And he did just as the Lord commanded. Ten different times. As I read in chapter 8 and then, and then in continuing to chapter 9, I tried to count the number of steps of preparation they made. 
and I started grouping them together because some of them are similar, some of the sacrifices. I found 12 distinct, I'm not going to list them to you or read them to you, you go find them for yourself, 12 distinct steps that they took before verse 23 and 24. What I am saying to you is that our apathy causes us to want to skip all the preparation and hope that on some particular Sunday we're going to have a verse 23 and verse 24 encounter in this place. But we don't want to make any of the steps necessary to position ourselves so that we can count on it. Okay, it is quiet. Preparation leads to his presence. Would, would you agree to that? Come on, help me now. Well, I, agree, I am convinced that preparation leads to God's presence. Anybody agree with me? Okay. Because if we agree with that, see, I set you up. If we agree with that, then we must also understand that lack of preparation leads to no presence. You can't have it both ways. And here we have an example of the children of God who spend two chapters, I don't even know how many days that is, two chapters preparing and preparing and preparing and preparing and then we want to step back and go, we don't want to do none of that stuff but we want the fire to fall. And I am saying to you, and I am challenging you to destroy apathy and to prepare for his presence. I am asking you to be a prepper. A prepper. Y'all know what a prepper is, right? Those are those folks that like they, they get storm cellars and fill them full of water for the end of the earth. And they put seeds and gold and silver and guns and ammo. Y'all think they're funny until something goes wrong and then you want to, you wish you knew who they were, Right? <laughs> I'm asking you to be a prepper when it comes to the presence of God. I'm asking us that individually and corporately that we begin to act like this. God's going to be here. And we ought to prepare for Him. Okay. I want us to prepare for His glory to fall. I want us to prepare for His fire to consume us. I want us to prepare for people to be blessed. That means... We each have to do our part to turn visitations into habitations. That means we got to take steps. If, and, and, I, and I was concerned because I knew I was going to run out of time and I wouldn't have time to do this. But then I remembered, I've already told you the steps. If you don't know how to personally prepare to turn a visitation into a habitation, I want to encourage you this morning to go back on our website to 2009 to the house series part four. Because in the house series part four, I list for you the steps that are essential individually and corporately for us to turn visitations into habitations. But let me show you what happens. Apathy causes us to hear the steps and to avoid the steps. Do you recognize that I'm talking about 2009? My math is horrible, but I think that's seven years ago. And we're right back where we were, where we're still not showing up washed in the Word. Because that was one of the steps. If you're going to turn a visitation to habitation, you can't just live on the Word that I give you every Sunday. You've got to wash in the Word before you get here so that Word calls to Word and deep calls to deep. 
we got to commune. That means you can't spend all week never talking to God, never listening to anything, never worshiping, and then roll in here and be ready to worship the paint off the walls. It doesn't work that way. There are others. I'm not going to tell them all. I'll, I'll let you go back and listen. But I am just asking us corporately and individually to make a commitment to prep for His presence again. We prepare for what we anticipate and what we value. Okay. If you already prepare, I'm asking you to increase your level of preparation. Okay, I'm going to ask you one question. I'm going to get out of your way. You won't like the question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Here it is. What if you only get the level of God that you prepared for today? Let that one sink in. What if I could only guarantee you, I'm thankful that God overrides sometimes and visitations take place, but I'm just asking you, what if you're only going to get as much of God as you prepared for before you got here today. You know what? Some of you have already gotten as much as you prepared for. That was mean. What if all of us really prepared like we were preparing to meet God here on Sundays? Would that change anything? Would I get up earlier? Would I pray? Would I worship? Would my attitude be different when I walked in the door? Would I go through worship differently? Maybe like actually anticipating that God's going to show up? What if you only get as much of God as you prepared for before you got here? I am asking you together over the course of the next weeks and months if we are going to break apathy over the course of the next weeks and months we have to adjust what we do before we gather together You mean I might have to like not go out so late on a Saturday night? That may be what it means for you. It may mean for me I got to get up earlier. Whatever I got to do. It may mean I need to change the radio station on the way to church and get me some worship going so that I'm ready to worship and I don't start worshiping on the fourth song. I start worshiping before they ever start playing. So my question is simply this. How do you prep? What are you doing that shows, that reveals, that proves that you actually desire to see a Leviticus chapter 9, verse 23, 24 gathering? Because if you're waiting on that gathering to take place because of me, you cannot delegate to me. If you're waiting on that to happen because of our worship team, as good as they are, all you got to do is skip one Sunday, go somewhere else, and discover they're incredible. But if you're waiting on them 
you cannot delegate preparation. Father, this morning, I pray that we would begin to conduct ourselves differently. That our level of preparation would match our level of anticipation and our level of expectation. God, the truth is, is that when we gather together, I do anticipate and I do expect you to move because your word declares that wherever two or three of us are gathered in your name, you're here. So we, we, we anticipate and we expect. But we also recognize that our level of preparation must increase. That we treat you like a dime a dozen if we just roll in with no forethought, no planning, no time spent that in that moment by the, our own actions we have said that you're common that we can take it or leave it Father hear my heart this morning I am so thankful for the visitations the suddenlies that we didn't expect I'm thankful for the break-ins and the breakouts. but hear my heart today oh Father My deepest desire is to have a place where you inhabit so that when broken people walk in, we don't have to wait on a suddenly. As soon as they walk in, they are impacted by your presence. God, I'm asking you to give us a place where your spirit dwells. When we gather together, we we. We know that your spirit dwells in this place together so that when people are sick, we don't have to wait on some goosebump moment. We know that as soon as they walk in, they are going to be exposed to the powerful, healing presence of the Almighty King. God, I'm praying for a type of place where broken relationships mend and addictions are broken and depression is destroyed. And Father, we recognize that the only way that that can happen is when I prepare and Tari prepares and Woody prepares and Stuart prepares and Jeff prepares John prepares Kim prepares Sasha prepares. Father, when each and every one of us prepare before we get here, heaven shows up on earth. So God, I pray that we would, in this moment, we would evaluate our level of preparation as it relates to our revelation of who you are. And I pray that this week we would take the steps necessary to see more of you individually and as a body. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I will make a commitment over the course of the next few weeks. I will prepare at a higher level for our gatherings. Indicate that 
about just doing this and you can pull it right back down. I'll do my part. If we have prepared people that walk into a prepared place, then our anticipation level needs to rise as well because he will show up and he will show out. You better be ready. You better be ready. Come on, touch your neighbor say, you better be ready. Come on, tell them, you better be ready. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.